No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. Promise me you weren't going to, you look at me like that. You promised me you weren't going to mess with that stuff. No, I promised you I wasn't going to buy a Ouija board. Oh, I didn't well, buy a Ouija board. You knew me exactly what I meant. I borrowed a Ouija board. How you? You knew me exactly what I meant. I said don't mess with that stuff because it scared me. What do you do? You go out and you get the best looking fucking Ouija board I've ever seen and you put it in the middle of our living room? Sexually? Oh, I, whoa, whoa, buddy. Hang on, Charles. On. Charlie. Charles. Jesus. Gross. Oh, sorry. my God. I'm sorry. Who do you think listens to this? Perverts. Mm. Uh, every listener I've, uh, <laughs> every listener's profile I've looked at on Twitter has been a pervert, so. Yeah, yeah no, no fucking kidding. <laughs> and now you're, you're getting all their... They're all excited and they're hoping for more. Then we say something about oh, what we do in bed, and I yeah, know. I really they're coming at us, and now you got to grease them up, Charlie. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. come on, man. Huh. No, I don't film myself in bed. <laughs> I meant in a ghosty, demony way, How but now I feel sick. <laughs> 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 Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit. I'm Charles, aka the Salmon of Knowledge. <laughs> and I'm Bardo. And today we're talking about 2007's Paranormal Activity. Uh, just so folks know, next time we're going to be going back into the Godzilla series with 1984's Return of Godzilla, which I'm super stoked about Hell to start yeah. the Heisei era. Yeah, wait, have you seen that one, Charles? I forget. I feel I like we not. talk about this all the time. but Nope. Oh, nope. man. Let's nope. fucking go. You're in for a treat. <laughs> I've, I've only seen a couple of Heisei Godzillas. Well, that's going to be great. In the meantime, Charlie, can you tell us what this movie's about? I can sure try. Katie and Mika are a happy couple living together in San Diego. Katie has been haunted by a demon her whole life, and this demon has decided to force the three of them into his thruple. However, the northern Mika's toxic masculinity, the demon decides to start muscling Mika out of the relationship so that him and Katie can be a couple. Katie and Mika are resistant to this idea, and in fact decide to try to force the demon out instead, but in the end, Katie comes to her senses and sees that the demon is the better and less toxic choice, so she sh- so she murders Mika and throws him out of camera. The end is paranormal activity, baby. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, before we get started, did uh, anybody have any references that they want to mention? I thought about watching all the series, but instead I read the uh, uh, lore on the uh, paranormal activity wiki. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah you, you know uh, i i thought in my head i'd thought up my take on this i thought like i had like an original and then you told me that i didn't and and um what 
not in uh rabbit let me know that that someone like brought up the take that i thought was my original and now i think i just read someone else talking about it but whatever the case i googled it to make sure and and sure enough there's just like a 50 academic articles about my take on paranormal activity so they stole they plagiarized you. they plagiarized me that's really what i'm getting at here whatever the case i i didn't read i read part of one of these and realized it it tied in the second one and i not watched the second one and i don't care about the second one oh, i think one. we read the same one bro uh yeah Maybe. I read Demon Debt, Paranormal Activity as Recessionary Post-Cinematic Allegory by Julia Leda. And I was like, I bet Barto read this one. I, I started reading that one. And, and then I was like, you know what? I don't care about Paranormal Activity too. Fuck this shit. Um, Hell yeah. And I, I, there were a couple papers that like referred to it as post-cinematic. And, but I realized that, um, the language in them was a little more bigger brained than I wanted to be when talking about paranormal activity. So I also left those ones behind too. Our listeners have small brains. That's not what so I'm saying. Choice. They're perverts Whoa. with tiny brains. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. You you read the lore, Charlie. How did you uh I really want to watch them. Based on what you said about the lore, I really want to make you all watch them all, but we'll see. Let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I told you, from reading, maybe it plays off better in the movies, but from reading the uh, the paranormal wiki, I think this might have like the worst lore, <laughs> most convoluted, stupidest lore of any franchise ever. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I just read the one. I, I had some ideas about this movie influenced by something Barto and someone else had said, but I like I just felt like something was missing, like I was missing something. So I skimmed, again, Demon Debt by Julia Leda. I skipped the parts about the sequels, and uh, it was really helpful. It, it, it helped me like jump off with other ideas, too. So, uh, yeah, I recommend that uh, that article if folks like this discussion and want more all the like post-cinematic shit i didn't care about and i but maybe someone else will um well general thoughts barta you picked this movie should you go first i like this movie i don't think it's like a brilliant movie i don't think it's like a terrifying movie i i kind of even think it's like a middling movie but like it's a middling movie that i have watched probably three or four times and i've always I always enjoy watching this movie. There's a lot of it that's like kind of charming to me. Just like how bad the audio is, is like kind of charming. You know, I thought about it in like contrast to like Cloverfield. It doesn't sound quite as like, you know, Cloverfield, there's like those scary monster sounds and they like kind of sound like a, a Hollywood studio put them together. Like all of this movie sounds awful front to back and i you know like stuff like that is just like kind of charming to me i don't really like any of the characters i don't really like i don't know what is so interesting about this movie to me except that it just by happenstance like i think has all these little things that are kind of to me worth like picking apart in the like 
subtext of the film. How about you, Charlie? Had you seen this before? Uh, well, first I want to ask Barker, have you seen any of the sequels? Or hell no, fuck that, don't care. No. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll watch, watch it. I'll watch it if uh, Rabbit <laughs> wants to make us watch it. I'm fine with that. Yes, I win again. <laughs> um, no, I had never seen this. I never seen any paranormal activities. I've never been someone who really paid much attention to pop culture. Uh, I do a little bit more now because of because I've gotten on Twitter in the past one or two years, but I never really paid much attention. So I was mostly like I was vaguely aware there was a series of paranormal activities, and maybe every once in a blue moon I'd see it mentioned. But um, yeah, I mean I wasn't particularly aware of the series. Uh, um, and I feel like it was big when I was in more of an artsy, older film kind of mode than a horror movie mode. So, nope, never seen it. Um, and I guess I was led to believe, you know, I think it's a pretty low rating on like Letterboxd. And I just feel like I was led to believe it's kind of just not a good movie, just kind of maybe just based on jump scares and just things going bump. Um, but I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I think it, um, no way. I thought you were, I thought I, you were I, going to hate this. I got to be honest. No, cool. I, I wonder if maybe that kind of overall negative view of it is maybe kind of informed by the sequels and just kind of like driving the thing, um, just doing the same thing over and over and maybe, uh, being into the ground where it kind of maybe the initial movie doesn't stand alone in people's minds as much as it should because i don't understand why this would have a low score i feel like it, it does what it's decided to do effectively and it, it has a good atmosphere to, to it um yeah it, I, it's I enjoyed it. that is the thing i did not say about it but i meant to say about it is it like i've again i've seen it a bunch of times but it it, it scares me yeah, yeah, watching it at like one AM at, at night, um by myself. It, yeah. It, there were the little things that, that got my, my skin going. Yeah. Yeah. I so I feel like similar to you, other than the artsy excuses, Charlie. I just had wasn't aware <laughs> of this movie at all. I don't know why. Uh like I knew that these series existed, but I couldn't have told you that it was like a found footage ghost or whatever demon mm. thing. I didn't know. I just knew it was like a main st- I thought of it like the Saw series. I know it exists, but um and I, as y'all know, after we recorded last week, I tried to watch it alone in a cabin in the woods and it's a cabin that I totally forgot that the last time I'd slept there, I fucking had a dream, but it was like, or sorry, uh, what's that called? Um, uh, sleep paralysis? Yeah, sleep oh. paralysis, where I thought someone was in the cabin turning on the water and turning it off, and I went to go check it out, and then I thought, like... Like, I thought I heard that, then I had sleep paralysis, then a bean got on top of me. And I forgot that until the line, like, ten minutes in or something, where it's like, sometimes they turn the water on, and I was just like, I can't do this, uh, I'm not watching this. Uh, so yeah, it spooked me mostly by the idea of it. Um, uh-huh. But I enjoyed it. I think, like, I don't love this movie, I don't, like, I feel like what you said resonated, Barto. it's like, it's kind of middling, but I do, like... I appreciate the idea of, like, what if we did uh, Blair Witch, but just, like, literally in my house, like, yeah. even cheaper. Um, mm-hmm. That's, like, I like the, you know, that's smart. But also, I think 
that I this movie is a very interesting cultural artifact. I think it's probably more interesting to me as someone who like was in upper middle class houses that all looked the same in 2007. Like this is all like, oh my god, this is like a time portal. Yeah. Like they still sort of look like this, I think. Okay, I don't know anymore because those are ain't the circles I'm running in, but like No, no, no. no yeah. I think because it has a like a lack of studio interference and shit and it's just a dude who literally that's his house and he's filming in it like it just feels like a a really more interesting look at like 2007 or 2006 than other movies of the era and I I find it kind of fascinating so I'm glad you picked it I think it's really cool lack of studio influence Spielberg had an influence that changed the ending because of Spielberg right really I think so I think I, didn't, I don't know anything about that. I, I feel like I read an article where Spielberg saw that he didn't like the ending, so he gave him money to redo the ending. Oh, I think I saw that too. Like last time I watched this movie, I think I I looked it up. I didn't even click the Wikipedia page this time, but yeah. Interesting. I read that this movie costs like I forget it was like ten thousand to make or something, and they sold it for three hundred fifty thousand. And so at the time, it was the highest grossing movie of all time because of how little the production was, or something. Maybe ten thousand is wrong. Maybe distribution was ten thousand. But so I'm surprised by the Spielberg thing because I didn't, I had no idea. But I believe it It makes sense. Something. Are you looking at this now, Charles? Yeah, there was an article posted by Collider three days ago. Weird. Um, They heard we were doing this. We announced it on the last one. We haven't released yet. Sean just just seven days of a meager $15,000 budget. Before it became an overnight success, it was the subject of some narrative tweeting courtesy to Steven Spielberg. It's been alleged that after securing a DVD screener, Spielberg's experience watching the film was by an eerie occurrence in his own home. But despite the effect paranormal activity had on him, Spielberg had an idea that make the low-budget scarefest even more frightening. Blah blah blah. All this dumb bullshit to pad the article out. Before I made box office history, I was touring film festivals. Incredibly good fortune screeners ended up in the hands of several potential buyers and distributors, including Jason Blum and Steven Spielberg. Legend has it the latter took the DVD home and watched it. Um. And then he tried to enter his bedroom after viewing the film. He discovered the door was locked from the inside, despite no one else being home in the house. Nice. He believed, he believed the DVD was haunted. Yes. Um, and he, re- he returned it to DreamWorks offices in a trash bag. But as impressed and shaken as he was, he had some thoughts about the ending and how to mo- most effectively impact viewers with a terrifying send-off. Um, although the director would later express mixed feelings about the decision, he ultimately went on Spielberg's suggestion, and with an additional four thousand dollars, shot an alt binding. Oh, okay. So originally fifteen, and then four more. That's still a lot. It's a very yeah. cheap movie, though. And you can tell that effect at the end is very different than the rest of the movie. And yeah. I mean, what one more thing I wanted to say in my general thoughts is that I generally dug the format, and every time we went back to that bedroom hallway angle, I got excited. Like it's yeah. like okay, it's time, yes. and it's like you have to scan the screen to see mm. what's gonna happen and that's a really unique fun thing yeah. and that ending was fucked up like that ending got me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure and it and it, like it pauses just long enough for yeah. like you to like get really torn up on the inside about like what is about to fucking happen there's just totally. like 
there's just enough silence and just this totally. this room with these um like what we were saying scanning like scanning the room like there's it's a digital camera so there's all these like weird artifacts and stuff that are yeah. just like all mm-hmm. over the room and which i think is important for a number of reasons um but just makes for a totally. cool viewing experience yeah, you're yes. like, is the black in the background moving, or is it a shitty image so it looks like it's moving? Like, there's, yeah, yes. Um, where do y'all, where do y'all want to start with this thing? Uh, there's like a number of like themes that I I identify in here. There's the one, you know, about housing and like how these people live and. And how the like haunting relates to that, and then there's also misogyny and like how the haunting relates to that. Like both of those are like very equally valid reading readings of this film to me. I kind of wanted to, s- I wanted to start with that second one, Charlie, because you pointed that out in the um in the synopsis, the toxic masculinity of Mika, and I I really feel like I bet that wasn't apparent to so many people including us if we watched it maybe in 2007 and it's like so overwhelmingly apparent in this movie Mm. that it's almost like the main thing happening and but it just kind of it's just interesting that like i don't know do y'all do y'all know what i mean like it feels like i yeah i I do know what you mean because i don't know there's something about him that makes it not seem as intentional like there is a certain amount of like charminess to him i guess um and his just kind of, uh, I don't know, makes it humorous to it, I, I guess. But the way he just completely drives it to is always just about a humor over the feelings of his uh, girlfriend and any feelings over any kind of safety. But but like I feel like they, there's supposed to be a certain amount of charminess to him, which... Or just I, familiarity, because it's so common yeah. and even more so accepted at that time. Yeah. Like, probably not accepted by women, but, like, the general media, like, whatever. It's, like, it... I just feel like this wasn't that crazy at the time, probably, but it was... I couldn't... It was so bad. It was so yeah. frustrating. It, it reminded me... Um, my partner talks a lot about being... We, we have a lot of conversations about um, misogyny, like, in the punk scene and, like, growing up. You know, like at that time in like 2006, 2007, 2008, and sort of like sure. the music scenes that we were each a part of in different states and how they're the same, different, and all that stuff. But like, she talks all the time about how, like, at shows, they're more like hardcore shows than punk shows, but like, you know, they'd just be like guys who are like, no chicks in the pit. And it was just like something that just kind of like went al- like, people were just like, oh, okay. You know, like you just sort of like go along with sure. like this like really really shitty behavior that was just kind of everywhere. Particularly like I think with young people and even people who wouldn't like think of themselves as like anything but a feminist in some way. I think a lot totally. of people were just like really shitty all the time. I remember in around like two thousand seven. I thought of myself as a feminist and I remember being in a class of like 40 people and the teacher asked like who here thinks of them 
would call himself a feminist because like a woman's issue came up or like a, a women's rights issue came up in a thing we were reading and three of us raised our hands so not like the normal but i would totally make like sexist jokes thinking it was funny because i thought it wasn't like a real issue like you'd repeat a terrible or i would or like people around me would repeat bad like joke like to my women friends be like oh isn't it funny but i get it you know and like i just feel like that's what was happening here like this guy would admit that there's this problem of the patriarchy even if you wouldn't use that word but then like every single thing he does is like the opposite of what she wants like he's lying to her he's just being snotty he's interrupting her like time with her friend like every he's being possessive like he's making things worse but think but taking trying to take control of things it's just like yeah it, it, it's gnarly i mean it's it's a weird movie because it he, despite i think kate katie's her name right yeah katie yeah ostensibly being the um i think the main character of this movie he is completely driving the plot even more so mm-hmm. than the yeah. the ghost is like Every single beat is something that happens basically against Katie's will. Again, whether it's from the demon or from him and it like in opposition to Katie and what she thinks. I think a really good example of it was um, they have the, the psychic come over who like tells them all this shit about demons and like, here's what you should do with demons. And like, Here's why I'm going to leave because they're dangerous in X, Y, and Z. And Mika is like, oh, that's so bullshit. <laughs> and then like the yeah. day later reads a book, a picture book about demons. Yes. And then like repeats all the things that the psychic said. And it, the film doesn't like, I don't think, hit you over the head with it, which makes me feel like it's actually very aware of what it's doing. Or it didn't feel like I was getting hit over the head with it. Like if if I watched this in two thousand seven or whatever, like I don't know if I would have noticed that that they're just like pointing out that he is a dick. He's not listening to anybody um, except his own intuition. I think you're you're. I think maybe you're right there. Maybe they are more aware than originally. I was just giving uh, saying. Uh, first of all, another strange what you're just saying there is that. Yeah, and then a day later, he's, like, reading the demon stuff and, like, repeating the same stuff. But then he's still, like, you can't have the demonologist. This is my problem. I'm yeah. going to I'm yes. gonna deal with this. Don't call the demonologist. Um, that that guy is cr- – that's crazy. That stuff's crazy. Well, he's, like, agreeing that that stuff is all correct, but he's still, like, oh, that guy's a psycho, and you're my woman. This is yeah. my house. Yeah, yeah. I'm you're gonna my figure house. This, yeah. It's my house um, or my girlfriend. Like, mine, 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 possessive. And then like, he, yeah. I'm going to solve this problem by pouring white powder all over the ground yeah. to, like, catch its footprints or whatever. It's, like, it's very um, good. It's very good yeah. writing, I think. Another thing about that, which um, maybe says they're more aware of the toxic masculinity aspect, is uh, one way, I think, to read this and that the sequels with their lore kind of um, completely erases uh is that he's warned that you know the Ouija board is going to invite the demon in that uh you know Katie is like I think you're just bothering it with the camera and you're just kind of like um uh you know um 
uh, making it angry and it's going to act out more. And so you could read that the escalation of the um, the possession, uh, the haunting of the demon, is due to him just fucking around so much, um, and that it's all basically the end results are because of. Yeah, well, oh, totally. Doing, I think that's just, what it's um, is implied. Which, it wouldn't which, just getting this school bad. Yeah, and that's completely erased with the lore and the sequels. But um, oh, <laughs> no spoilers. But yeah, no that spoilers. that is how but I yeah, read I hear it the, the first uh, when I first watched this. Right. I there, there's a lot of. I mean, just the main thing is just that like she's the fucking victim here, mm-hmm. and it's all about what he wants. He wants to get data. He wants to film it. He wants to use his cool toys. She says, turn it off about the camera like 40 times in a row. And he just, he lies about it being off. He keeps it on. It's so frustrating. Like most of the stuff is in that realm. But there's also just, he like objectifies her. He compares her to his camera and he compares her to his guitar in like weird ways. Um, And at one point he says, you're too cute to be talking. Which is a fucking insane thing to say. Uh, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, it has to be on purpose, right? But I also don't know, like, the guy who made the movie used to be a day trader and this was his real house. There's a very big possibility he was just trying to put himself in that thing. I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm, the intention doesn't really matter, right? But it's interesting. I, it feels... I don't know. I, the he, he makes that, like, like you said... Um, he makes himself the victim. Like he, he, he has that whole spiel where he's like, well, you didn't tell me before you moved in that you have a demon. So it's okay. If I film, you know, like this, like completely asinine line of logic for like why he gets to be an asshole with his camera. I mean, I hate to be, I I agree that she should have said something, yeah. but I don't agree that he should bring it up like that as a weapon to get what he wants. Right, right. Oh, no. um, I, and and uh, while I do think she had a responsibility to him, he wouldn't have even listened in the first place. You're right. Um, she oh, still should. No, she still completely should have. But yeah, he would have just completely ignored it anyways. I, <laughs> you know, if I had spooky things happen to me. Every once in a while, between sure. the ages of eight and like thirteen or whatever, and I found a partner who is like clearly doing pretty well, making a lot of money, and really thinks I'm cute. Uh, <laughs> you know, I might not, I might not tell you're him right. about it the haunting. <laughs> it wasn't at this level yet because this dude hadn't provoked him yet. So you're right. Like, I'm not going to necessarily tell someone I had a ghost encounter in the woods, even if it had a, happened a second time before we moved in, because I don't think. What part do you think is the real problem? You know, I mean, it did burn her house down. Well, Maybe. she said she didn't even think it was the ghost that burned, that it wasn't the ghost's fault. I, I like, think she suspected it was. She just I, didn't I have think, any proof it was. I think she did too. But again, if I was, if everyone I was about to move in with, I was like, oh, by the way, yeah, a ghost burned my house down once. The the two outcomes of that are like, oh, this person is like fucking nuts and I don't want to share a space with them. Or, oh, a ghost might burn down my house. There's like, there's no good. I, I think both options make sense to me saying something and don't, whatever. I think, yeah, I, I get that. I do really agree with you, Charlie, that he wouldn't have believed her. Yeah. And like the, the most important line to his bullshit 
to me is when he says, uh, or she says, bringing an exorcist or whatever sometimes just makes things worse. No, yeah, he says that. She says, I don't want to make things worse. And then he goes, neither do I. And the next shot is a Ouija board. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Which he had we, earlier promised that he, you know, he did the, like, yeah. the seven-year-old, like, I'm getting out of, yes. you know, like, I said I didn't, I said I wouldn't buy it. I didn't buy it. A friend gave it to me. And just to be like, fair, that was a gorgeous Ouija board. It was a really <laughs> nice Ouija board. Um, but it. <gasps> If I was her, I would have punched him in the fucking head. Just not even for like fucking with a demon, but just for being that kind of a piece of shit. And then it's the same mentality he has when she makes him do the I swear to abide by Katie's rules and regulations of camera use. And he can't even say it like with a straight face. And it's like, this is somebody who you've just finally agreed is being haunted by a demon. Maybe just like yeah. agree to follow her rules. Like what the fuck? And you know, he's not gonna. Well, and yeah. not only that, it's someone you just ostensibly like, you know, like well, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird to me. You know, this is like, yeah. this is, you know, that, uh, like are the straights. Okay. Thing, you know, but like, yeah, totally. Um, and I think lots of people do kind of live this way, but yeah, I don't know. It's like tragic to watch it. You know, it, it's yes. just as tragic to me really as the, the, the demon thing going on. They're both really tragic. Yeah. And it's, it's this weird, uh, what's the word? Like there's this weird situation where he is clearly providing the money in the relationship. She's an English student. Uh, doesn't know, she thinks she's going to teach, she doesn't know where, so he's the one making the money, but she's the adult. Like, she has to fucking treat him like a child all day, every day, but he gets away with it because he has this position of authority of being, like, the man who makes the money, and so he, it's just this, like, paradox, he's using that to be as childish, and, uh, yeah, like you said, like a seven-year-old, like, oh, I said I wouldn't buy one, it's like, this is serious, this isn't, like, this is fucking serious shit. Like I'm, a, you're about to die from a demon, dude. You don't even know it. I will say to his credit, even when shit got fucked up, he stuck around and didn't burn out. My rule, sure. of course, is don't let yourself get attached to anything you're not willing to walk to walk out on in thirty <laughs> seconds flat. If you feel the heat around the corner, <laughs> and what is that? So mean? I would have been out of there. Is that from Fast and the Furious? What is that from? It's from Heat. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Forgot that's uh that's Robert De Niro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did find it interesting looking through like some of the letterbox reviews. Like, I think on part three, there's like a ton of reviews saying like this is the only good male in the in the series. This is the only <laughs> male who didn't deserve to die. Like, um, that's interesting. Yeah. On Reddit, when I was reading, people talked about it. People were asking if it held up, and the main response was, holy shit, Mika is so toxic. I never, I watched it again. I never realized how toxic he was uh, until now. Like, holy shit. So it's interesting that there's that dichotomy. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, what I mean by that is on part three, talking about the male protagonist, they're saying this is the, that the part three male protagonist is the only one who, who didn't deserve to die. And oh, yeah. I thought you meant that this, I see. No, okay, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. I, I did yeah. keep thinking that um if this was a few years later like just a couple maybe even yeah i think just a couple years later 
Mika would be such a Reddit guy. He'd be like an advice oh, animals yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Uh totally. Something like that. Yeah. He would have gotten really rich off uh GameStop. Yeah, yeah. Too. Yes. And we're we're gonna actually get to that later too. Cool. That's like another thing I keep thinking about. Well yeah, um Julia Leda in the in the essay I read had a an interesting point that to me tied, you know, this stuff to the actual like economic situation they're in which is that like not only is he toxic but katie is like relying on him for his it's part of her economic situation and when the economy is gonna turn down which it's like this movie is made right before that so they don't know it but it's like our world was brimming with it right they don't they don't know that but we know now looking back that shit was about to get really bad that like a what happened in the 90s and what happened in 2007 2008 is a lot of women ended up like not being able to get work and going back into like just living in the house and so like the fact that not only is this her shitty boyfriend but because the economic situation is going to get worse because of this demon or whatever she might she's going to be relying on this dude for everything it's going to get like even even worse um this like psychically psychologically abusive dude i don't know if that makes sense but it tripped me out well uh, i think some day traders do not have good times uh during that period so <laughs> maybe she wouldn't have been true super reliant true, true, on true. yeah i mean it's it's definitely like yeah not not every day trader got fucking crushed in 2007 2008 yeah, I know. I but, said someday traders. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I I I'm just going to say that like everything about their situation looks so goddamn precarious from yeah. from where we are. Like every mm-hmm. like from from his job to their home yes. to their convertible to their her fucking student debt for her major that is not going to like be able to recoup the student debt, you know, no matter what happens Whoa. to She just needs to wait out till Biden gets to be president. Then I'll be in <laughs> a student that will be okay. Maybe it's because I was an English major in two thousand seven, but in, being an English major in two thousand seven to me feels like the joke that business students would make. And yeah. like that was very intentional. Very intentional in the film. No, you're right. It's very precarious. Every single bit of it. And like their whole world is so ostentatious. Like I, I, I don't know. I know this doesn't mean it. These are probably just like his blankets and pillows and stuff. But like, I think about the ritual that they have where they like take off their, their blankets and pillows and stuff every night because they just like, don't need them you know they're just there to like look nice like they have this like really beautiful interesting you know white convertible they have a uh fucking huge swimming pool they have this really nice digital camera they uh a chandelier they uh don't have smoke detectors which is kind of weird but <laughs> yeah um what <laughs> but you know it's like they're they're overflowing with stuff even their house has like three bedrooms you and know a pool. But, yeah. and, but there's like nothing in it yeah yeah it's this completely like threadbare house like rather you're saying like oh mcmansions looked in like yeah. 2006 mm-hmm. you know the other thing is i keep thinking about like 
there's no like exterior in the film besides their backyard but i feel like they have to live in a subdivision that's just like been newly created and don't have any neighbors near them you see the front when she's in the convertible and all the houses look the same right they all look the same i mean you only see two and the edge of another but they look like yeah it seems like it was recently made they all look the same like color not one's not dirtier than the other i wonder if there were there's evidence of people living in them or not because i kept thinking about like how no there's tons of screaming and uh no one has called the police no one has like checked on them and how sad that is just thinking about those houses like they're not like right up against each other um people have arguments and stuff uh dude i i helped this woman that was screaming getting attacked by a dude in front of my mom's house a couple years ago and no one else came out to help at all or did anything like like, people just ignore it you were in the middle of an overwatch match too and you just with you you yeah you're right (laughs) even though i buy it for sure even though you Um, tanked our fucking team you asshole yeah i did yeah i'm sorry Uh, (laughs) um one thing I want to contrast with what you're saying, Bartok, because that's totally true. It's a very precarious situation, but it's also the American dream in 2006, 2007. Like, this is their starter home. This is what everybody mm. wants to be able to do. Right. They have, they're in a suburban middle-class neighborhood. It's a couple. They have a nice big TV. He has a nice guitar. Like, to be able to live in San Diego in a house like that is not easy. And mm-hmm. it's wild to like have made it and us watching it, looking back, it's like, oh man, you're, you're teetering on a cliff. Yeah. You but are at the time you feel buddy. like we did it. And like, you know, this is the kind of thing where like people come over and they give a little tour of their house. Like they are proud of this. And to us, it's like a death sentence. <laughs> like, it's just so interesting. <laughs> if that was me, it would just be, Shells and shells of movies. <laughs> We're going to start with A for... Uh, what's a director with A? Anyway. Um, what, on, on the house thing, too, I think it's really interesting that early on, the demon is attributed... Like, they, they're, they're theorizing what it is, and it's attributed to house things. Like, first, we hear a sound, like, do you know what that is? Do you know what it is? And they go down, and it's the ice maker. So, first of all, you're like, okay, they don't know the house that much. But second of all, what's the haunting? Maybe this new house is the haunting. Uh, and then second of all, the guy who comes, the ghost expert, he says, like, oh, you know, it's normally, a lot of times, it's things like squeaky houses or noisy pipes. And they're really pointing you at the house early on in this film right yeah and then the first major thing is just some keys falling on the ground (laughs) totally yeah was did they establish that this was a new house i don't remember i don't think so but their age and the ice maker thing made me feel like it was right yeah i mean the ice maker would just seem really weird to me um yeah even if it was a new house See, I thought the not much on the walls thing was just like evidence of like a certain kind of person. Sure. But, sure, could be. But also could be a fresh house. I don't know. I mean, I think that same certain type of person might just get really shitty prints eventually uh, on the wall, like really shitty pictures that would say just as much. But yeah, I'm not sure. I also, 
thought it was interesting that the first discussion the two of them have in the movie is about money, um, showing kind of the precarity. Like she says, how much did you throw down for that, for the camera? And he says about half as much as I made today, but he's a day trader. Like some days are good, some days are bad. Yeah, right. So some it's kind of are bad, like negative bad. Yeah, so it's showing <laughs> the precarity, but also like the willingness he is to spend. It feels crazy to me to like watch him behave. To be like, I gamble for a living, and today I gambled so good that I bought a state of the art digital camera. You know, I I mean I I do understand the camera thing. If you're with someone where there's there's haunting stuff going around, like I understand the desire to try to capture it. Totally, I would I would be doing the same thing, just with something yeah. much cheaper. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and you you get a, a window into there. Like that's not how I talk to my partner about money. I'm not like kind of like whoa joking. Uh, let me see if I can find some information about how much it costs, and then my partner gives me like a kind of shady answer, but doesn't answer the question. Like these aren't people sitting down and checking their like they're balancing their shit and doing a budget and being like, okay, we want to buy a camera. How much can we spend? How much do we make? You know, right. they're like he's in control. She doesn't even get to know how much it was. Precarity is like, and weird toxic masculinity is all over that shit. Yes. Well, it, it, should we start talking about the the way that this movie might tie into like the housing crisis that even though it happened right before it? I mean, the ghost feels like or the demon rather, sorry, feels like like debt itself, something that attaches itself to you and follows you from place to place and eventually like comes to collect in in like a real way because like it doesn't even you know like i i get we all i imagine get calls from creditors and things like that and mostly they're just kind of like annoying and you can just like make them go away you can ignore them or whatever yeah they get more and more persistent as time goes on and i think if i was actively harassing my creditors they would uh uh, take a different tact with me than they presently do. Start putting footprints and powder. Start putting footprints and powder, things like that. Yeah, California has been on me for years. And they say I owe them a bunch of money because uh, after I moved here and started working somewhere, they said I was working in California, even though I lived here and was working Jesus here. Christ. And they... They garnered some of my wages, and I, like, wrote them some letters. I had a CPA friend, like, write them some letters, like, saying, I've fucking been living here for years. Like, I ain't work here. And they, they like, yeah, they still, they sent me, like, a letter um, coming every year telling me I owe them $700. So, it sounds like you hired a psychic, but you needed a demonologist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things in the movie, too, is like, because I agree with you, I I personally don't have debt, and I feel like that was the hardest thing for me to see in this movie, mm. uh, probably because of the lack of personal experience, um, and I got that from the article, but like, as soon as I read the word, like, debt demon, it was like, oh, this all makes so much sense, that's why it's following her, no matter what house she gets, no matter who she gets with, it's following her, and they kind of the the what what's the ghost guy's name the psychic 
the movie is kind of expressing that like at us or maybe early on if you don't know that much you can get an expert to help you but at a certain point the expert's gonna run away they can't help yes you know that was like a fucking haunting moment and at some level i I also see the haunting and sort of like um how 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 marx describes like the the specter of like communism you know something that is like over the horizon mm-hmm. you know the sure the, the demon in this is sort of acting the same way it's like look at all of this shit around you like this can't possibly like be sustainable um and it is like making itself known through that but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's it's something debt of the past or something from warning us of the future, but it's like uh it is more than just some like evil, you know, uh spirit thing. Totally. I I wanted to mention on something you said, Marta, that you you were saying that this this demon is kind of being like like look at this, you know? And it's the way the demon haunts them is through fucking with the house. So it's just like this perfect circle of like, look at this chandelier you have. Look at these car keys. Look at this fucking like shitty attic. Like everything it does is pointing out the house. Yeah. Which is just it. Yeah. You have this whole fucking room. You don't even know what you have, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) But, you know, again, at the same time, I could equally see the demon as like, there is something very wrong in this relationship. And, you know, like the first time um, that they're in bed together and she gets up and just kind of like stands there. What what did I say? I said, my note was just Katie wisely gets up and leaves, (laughs) you know, because (laughs) like, because it's, he's fucking sucks. And this demon is like this guy. I mean, you said it all in your fucking, uh, Synopsis, Charlie. Like you nailed it. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> uh, like this guy yeah, fucking the, sucks. Uh, what is going on in this house? One, one of the erotic <laughs> things is we, you know, I brought up how you know there is something said that he he stays with her. Um, but on the other hand, if that's true, and he's the one that's kind of winding this demon up, and yes, you know, if he wasn't doing all this shit, the demon would just be, you know, some noises in the night and some keys dropping out of the ground. Like, yes. Yeah. Maybe she would be better off fucking leaving him. And even if the demon stayed with her, she'd still be uh, not throwing people at cameras. Totally. And like, there are points where it seems like the demon is almost trying to help her. Like what you said, Barta, she smartly gets up and leaves. There's the part where she goes outside and she's like, I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to be in there. And it's like she doesn't remember it or anything. And from a a lore perspective, like from the, if we're just looking at this as a demon haunting who's fucking with her, it basically makes no sense to me. I can't parse it. Why is the demon either possessing her to just be like go away dude go away dude i'm gonna sit outside and nothing bad's gonna happen or making her do that but forget it it doesn't make sense but from the from the viewpoint of this demon is warning him for his toxic masculinity and is like you just would rather sit in the cold than you're safer sitting in the cold than being with this dude it makes total sense yeah it's a very weird moment yeah yeah at some level the demon i think like from a a, a plot perspective it makes sense to be like 
the demon is actually fucking with him. You know, it's fucking with Mika. It's not looking out for Katie. But, you know, it, it, it does feel like it should be, I don't know, there should be, a, there's a sign in there somewhere to be that, that the, the demon is on her side. Even if he's a little scary. But I don't know. It is, like you said, she's, like, I think he's the main character, but she should be the main character. And whatever, tomato, tomato, like, he, everything is driven by him. And it's like, he, the demon gets worse as he gets worse to her. Like, Mm -hmm. the fact that literally there's a part where he's, like, realizes it's a demon. And he's like, this might be a... Basically, what he says is, this might be a really rare, horrible demon stalking you. So it's cool we got it on tape. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so intense. And he's using words like golden and whatever. And, yeah. and and this comes the day after he's, like, mocking the fucking ghost psychic and the idea of a demonologist. Um, and he denies... He's, like, he's mocking that stuff, even though he kind of believes it. And then he's getting horrified and then the next day being like that was my inner child who's scared i'm not scared and it's almost like this demon's like oh you're not scared i'll show you fucking scared bro mm-hmm. um yeah it does seem like the whole time it's reacting to him but you could read it through the movie as because it wants her as the psychic says and he's the boyfriend punches his picture does it punch his picture because it's possessive of her like he is because it's a misogynist <laughs> or because he's terrible for her it's hard to say yeah can I tack on to your um that that point he made about where you made where where he brought up like it's it's cool that we got this on camera yeah yeah because yeah. the whole time I'm watching this movie I'm thinking like you know when this movie could also be filmed and all of this would make sense to fucking day you know this like YouTube you know this was filmed in 2006. Which was the same yeah. face year Facebook came out, and it's also like a year after God YouTube damn. came out. Like it feels like this whole thing could be someone's like a, a whole TikTok account, you know, going in this. You know, even the like so much of TikTok is just like trader day trader bros being like, you know, success win content guys. You know, that's what this yeah. guy is. He's like a success win content guy. Um, who the grind, bro. Yeah, he is a grind set dude who also is being haunted and also like hates women, like all those guys. And I, I've been trying to figure out a way to like relate this in like a smooth way. But the the other thing that I think is interesting about this, and this is gonna come out all garbled, and I'm sorry about that. But is the the fact that this is like shot digitally and like there's so much in the early two thousands or like the mid aughts where like the digitization of everything is like really ramping up at this point. It's been going on, but it's like really ramping up at this point. And so we're entering this new world of like self surveillance. Uh, through like Facebook and YouTube and things like that, or the effects of which like last a lifetime, but also, you know, and so we have all these things that like follow us around for the rest of our life, which again, the filmmakers couldn't really know at this point, but then there's, but there's also like the digitization of 
your debt, you know, in the, in the same way, like we, it's, it's another, sure. like, here is like this permanent thing that like you kind of lose control of, like once it's out there, you know, he keeps talking about like, Oh yeah, I got my camera hooked up to the fire wires going right to the computer. You know, he's like talking about this, like, um, yeah, and that ties to the day trader thing too, because the only reason that people could suddenly do the stock market at home is because Ooh. of all this digitization. Right, right, right. And and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the larger point is here, but except that like the use of digital film in this feels like uh very like in line with the rest of the themes that I see in this movie, but also just like incredibly prescient to like what life is going to be like 20 years or not 20 years. Um, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Like 20 years from when this, when this movie actually came out, like all of this could be made today and would make perfect sense. Except, except, uh, he would be more expressly like Andrew Tate leaning than like we think of in this sure, just because sure. of how he talks to her. And I, I hope a possessed Katie would give us a good, uh, Ooh, ice cream. So good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. Uh, I, I can't put my finger on it either. Um, I think also some of the, the quote post cinematic, stuff was about the digitization of it and how it's like instead of cinema where we're seeing an actual image of light burning onto film we're turning it into code and like it's becoming almost commodities itself that are reorganized um but i also yeah i don't know I, i i think another thing that like works well today is just the fact that we're talking about debt in such a national way right now like this cancel the student debt is like a whole big thing and i think one of the things this movie reminded me of is like there's like a huge class of people who are like please cancel the student debt it is haunting me and there's a huge class of people that are like oh get over it because they don't even know what it's like to have debt yeah or or know anyone who has debt and that relationship is what'd you say or know to have empathy Yes, exactly. And that relationship is Mika and Katie. Mika is the privileged one who doesn't have this invisible force breathing on his neck. And Katie feels it. And Mika says stuff like, uh, like maybe the whispering was me talking in my sleep. And she's like, I know what it fucking was, dude. Like, you just need to believe me. And then she can feel it weighing down on him, on, on her. And he calls her crazy, calls her a weirdo. Like, he's othering her. Um, not to mention that he, like, does some weird othering shit, too, even to the demon, right? He says, like, do you have something to say in English this time? Like, he's, like, basically being a racist to the demon. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that to me... Oh, yeah, there's one line. Uh, Mika's like, I think we could both use a little more sleep. Like, trying to sympathize with her. And Katie's like, I could use a new life. I'm so tired of this. Like, you don't understand. You're losing sleep. I'm being haunted by a demon my whole life. It's not the mm. same. You know? Yeah, I mean, she has that scene where she explains to him, like, I, I get that this is new to you, and it's exciting, yeah. but this is my life. This yeah. is my life. You know, it's like, you could leave right now if you wanted to, and you'd be free from this, but um, this is something that I will 
seemingly always be stuck with. Yeah, um, it's like a van life person being yes. like, I know what it's like to be homeless. Yes, that, <laughs> I was I was just about to say that. Uh, yes. Sorry. No, 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 no. Don't don't be sorry. That's like it's perfect. It's like content creation, like completely warping your brain to like, yeah, like completely change your set of priorities and eliminate any sort of sense of empathy that you have for other people in favor of whatever you know like i don't even know what at the end of this what he thinks he's getting like say he survives the demon attack what is he doing with his is he selling it right to like sci-fi channel what's going on i mean i don't know i'd still like to have if this was happening to me i'd still try to be documenting it i don't know what my end goal would be but but yeah i hear you charlie but also like you made such a good point just now that he could leave anytime he wants and like Mm. That's why he doesn't care about provoking it and why she's so yeah. afraid. Because she can never leave and yeah. he doesn't have to deal with the repercussions if he doesn't want to. He dies, so he does, huh. but he's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my practice award changed right then. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, it's, it's such a simple movie with so little going on and mm-hmm. so seemingly repetitive, but it's just a beautiful little bite out of life with just a little story that it there's so much to it I, yeah. yeah and um the uh the sequel ruined about like 70 percent <laughs> of our analysis here i gotta say though the the article that i've been like that i read that i thought had some of these cool ideas in it uses the further ones to back it up not interesting super further but especially the second and some of the third and fourth but yeah i'm so i i'm I'm so curious to know what you want to say the debt is charlie but like i avoided that so hard in the article i gotta (laughs) i'm downloading that shit and i'm watching it tonight whoa in the spooky cabin i gotta do it i feel like i won't be (laughs) scared this time i wonder (laughs) i wonder if in spite the lore the sequels are still just as scary um Oof. I, I no, feel I like <laughs> I feel like they could be. Yeah. Um as long as it's I mean I have no idea, but but I feel like it it's not like the hardest trick to pull, just a lot of people just don't pull the trick. Um and just if you can turn your brain off from the stupidness of the lore, I feel like they yeah. can still deliver um atmosphere and scares. Can we what can we what was your favorite scare? What was your favorite thing? little effect or whatever what did you guys the, like in this movie i mean i generally like it all but the one that i think maybe got the most out of me was when there were some like lighter sounds and then um and they woke up and they're like what is that what is that and all of a sudden there's like a loud screech and a huge thump against the wall um that was when they ran upstairs i just got goosebumps that was like the first big one right that yeah that was good that was yeah that was fucking yeah. good that was really impressive and um because some of the other bigger scares, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the effects of them, I guess, of like her being dragged out of bed or him being th- thrown at the camera. Like Those did kind of make me jump, but I, the, f- the effect I don't think was that great, and it kind of detracted from it. And just that, that loud screech and the loud bang um, out of nowhere just kind of really got me a lot more. Oh, yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, I was impressed by 
and I don't know as much about practical effects as you, Charlie, but I was impressed by the bed stuff. Like, I don't know how mm. they moved the blanket. Like, it clearly wasn't a string. And I was very curious, especially in my second watch, how they did it. It got me. I, I do think the first screech and the very end of the movie are what got me the most. But there's something about when it moved the bed and then it pulled her. I think maybe intellectually the most terrifying part to me is her being dragged because the fact is she's screaming Mika, 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 even though Mm. he's her enemy and he doesn't care what she wants and he can't help her. And the last time she asked for help, he ran into another room first to grab the camera, but he's her only hope. And that's like this gut-wrenchingly terrifying and sad moment. The other, I think your your point about that is... uh... I think probably better than mine, but um, the whole thing, the little kid thing of like, uh, you are safe under your blanket is just like mm-hmm. completely violated there. Like it, like by the blanket lifting. By the blanket lifting, it lifts it up, yeah. and there's her fucking foot. Which I actually think this movie kind of has a foot thing going on. They they come back to feet a lot in this movie. Just throwing it out there. Tarantino, <laughs> ghost director. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, they. It felt like, yeah, that that first one where it just kind of like lifts up and reveals her foot. Because there's like there's two where they fuck with the blanket, right? There's one where yeah they just lift it up, and that one. I mean, I've seen this several times now, so this last watch didn't really do it for me, but the. The first time I I watched this, that that first time the blanket lifted off and and her foot just was showing, it really spooked me. Totally. Um, yeah, I did like the blanket stuff. The uh, the, the dragging across the floor and like the flying against the screen, um, those just didn't play as well for me as I think they should have, I guess. Um, but I mean, I still like them. But but yeah, the but, but I did really like the blanket stuff, especially in the the last night when um she gets up and is looking at him, and all of a sudden the blanket just kind of falls off of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I I think those those scenes of her just like standing there are effective. oh yeah very effective. Yeah, totally. What a vibe. So one thing that so I don't know a lot about economy unless you're talking about a little bit of Marxist economy. I don't know shit about Whoa. economics or whatever. So when Whoa. I heard Day Trader, when I first watched this, I was like, oh, if this is a housing thing, he's supposed to be the stock market, which I don't think is true. And the article that I mentioned points out how like different a day trader is from the stock market or like from a, a stockbroker or the people who caused the housing crisis. Right. But reading it the way I was the first time, assuming that I, I really liked the the scene where Katie finally burst and she finally put him in his place. Um, I just want to read what she said real quick. Uh, No, you haven't been having progress and you're not in control. It is in control. If you think you're in control, then you're an idiot. Not a single thing you've done has helped. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but the camera hasn't helped and the footprints haven't helped. Do you think that thing would have left footprints if it didn't want to? No, it did it because it wanted to. It wanted you to find my photo. It can be anywhere. It hears what you're saying right now. You're absolutely powerless. And I don't know if it exactly works with our readings, but it just feels like a little bit like the 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 people on Wall Street thinking I'll do this and I'll make this different thing or the banks or the government trying to make tweaks thinking it's going to stop 
this recession, this collapse, and having no being like, you don't control capitalism. You guys are a bunch of people in monkeys in suits fucking thinking you control capitalism, thinking you'll get rich forever, but you don't. This is, you're just fucking with this huge fucking thing called capitalism, and it's gonna I, fuck us all over, you know? I mean, I think a lot of day traders do have an inflated sense of ego, so that can kind of play to them. Um, <laughs> no, not as you know, well yeah, as if sure. you're an actual, uh, uh, you know, big stock market guy, but still. Yes, I just meant it's that he's not the kind of person responsible for the housing crisis or for no. what. Yeah, but yeah. That it felt like it was bigger than just him, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, in my head, I, I didn't necessarily, like, think of him as the banks. More mm-hmm. just, I thought of him as you know, a victim of the banks, yes. ultimately. Even I though think that's he's, more accurate. Even though he's one of the shitty, shit, you know, fuck day traders, fuck you, you know, like, and you know. But I like that reading. I like that sort of thinking of like um, him as this, as an instrument of capital who is trying yeah. to keep, keep, uh, keep a lid on the, on the jar and uh, just completely unable to. And yeah, they're losing their house, totally. baby. And he's doing the things that the government and banks, especially like, banks fucking the like people on wall street do like he's using loopholes to get what he wants <laughs> against her and she's the victim like i didn't i said i wouldn't buy one like if mm-hmm. i watched it the second time you could tell he says buy on purpose because he knows he wants oh, to no. be able to get it yeah a the ouija first board. time i saw it I was like oh he's definitely getting a ouija board and yes. he's not gonna buy it <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it's just like oh we didn't say we'd we wouldn't we said we wouldn't take your house. We didn't say we wouldn't destroy your house. You know, it's just like some like evil rich person bullshit. I'm fine reading him as as the uh, the fucking bank as as the fucking total evil shithead who you know who caused all who you know right. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be in this mess. You know, like yeah, I think it works on a lot of levels. It's again, this movie feels kind of empty. It's in a way because it's so simple, but sometimes those kind of things work the best as like allegories, you know, yeah. you only have a few characters, you only have a few actions that are repeated and it, it like human relationships and things can, you know, they mirror so many other kind of relationships. It's just interesting. It's a, uh, it's, it's a cool movie. I, you know, it's, it's not again. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely not brilliant, and I think a lot of what makes it fascinating is um, completely an accident, and uh, maybe yeah. would not have been so fascinating in two thousand seven. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Do you all have any other like thoughts on the movie before, or should, like, should we go into awards? Where y'all at? I I couldn't tell if this was the film trying to make. Uh, a point about anything but I really felt like Katie wasn't really in school in any meaningful way like we never saw her we saw her studying once when she was like really pissed off and she was like 15 pages into her textbook Um, like it looked like she maybe never opened it before Uh, and 
I don't know if this was just there's not enough screen time to show her studying to, but and I don't know why they would make this point, but it it felt like she wasn't I mean, actually I've in watched, school. I've watched so many sitcoms where people have jobs, but they're just hanging out all the time that I just mm-hmm. assumed it was like shitty movie making. Maybe. But you're right. It doesn't yeah. feel like she's in school. It kind of feels like he's a day trader, but also not really. Like, it just feels like they're just working on this. Yeah, I guess day traders don't have the, the nature of their job. They don't have to be, you know, working 24-7. But still, they have to do, in order to be, like, successful day traders, they only have to be doing, like, research and, like, uh, yeah, have to be monitoring the markets. I mean, <laughs> we do see him work a couple of times. Sure, sure, yeah. But then he'll be like, hey, check out what I'm working on. And it's like, he got a song to make fun of the psychic. Or he, like, uh, (laughs) cut together the audio and listened really close to it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he definitely... sidetracked. Yes, yes. He's very distractible. I would be too, though, if I was being actively haunted. (laughs) Not me, I'm disciplined. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't stop rabbits grind. Totally. For all I know, I'm haunted right now. I don't pay attention to shit. Yeah, you got trades to make. I mean, I've cast like nine demons on you, so I'm Hell hoping yeah. at least one of them caught. Hell yeah. Maybe we should Thanks, do like a, we should do a live. Um, we should do like a special episode where we uh, all get Ouija boards and we try to summon a demon over Skype. Oh, I would do that. I wonder if there's an online weed. There's got to be an online Ouija where we all hold our mouse, our mouse's <laughs> mice on it. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> dude! If I was programming an online Ouija board, you know I would make it so the dial just moved on its own a little every once in a while. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah! Um, I think I've. Been. I just watched a Ouija board movie like right before I watched this, so it was also props to you for for um scheduling Which that, one? Bertha. It's called Allison's Birthday. It's an Australian movie from the late seventies. Where okay. as a sixteen year old, her and her friends are doing a Ouija board and she's warned by the ghost of her dad to not go home for her nineteenth birthday because there's a there's gonna be a demon that's gonna try to get a hold of her. And then, and then shit goes hectic. And then her nineteenth birthday, and she has to go home. And the demon gets a hold of her. Damn. Oh, so it's a Ouija board where the Ouija board is looking out for the uh, for the protagonist. Yeah, the, oh, that's cool. It's not cool. evil. In the opening scene, they're doing like a Ouija board. Her and her friends, and it's like they can't, they end up hitting her dad. Um, who died when she was a child and warns her not to go home for her nineteenth birthday, and then uh, all of a sudden the demon takes hold of the Ouija board and it causes furniture to fall over onto one of her friends and kills her. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, this sounds good great. movie. I recommend it. Or, I mean, not a great movie, but it's it's a fun watch. <laughs> I do want to say uh, I listened to a podcast. I think it was last podcast on the left's episode on Ouija boards a few years ago. And the current mass marketed Ouija board 
is the direct descendant of the original Ouija board. Like that one was patented and that patent oh, yeah. passed down to now. So that one you bought that was off brand, Barto, probably wouldn't have worked anyway. You need a real TM <laughs> no, I know. Ouija board. Yeah, yeah. Is, is okay. it Parker's brother? Is that who that's what she called? Uh, something like that or, or general Mills or whatever i don't remember yeah, not general Mills. What's i feel like company? it's a big name yeah yeah what's the what's the other big whatever it doesn't matter quick say five um, cereals while i punch you <laughs> but that, that is proud neat, it? oh yeah then we all drink milk oh oh yeah 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 i i've done that test a few times <laughs> of course <laughs> um, and i'm proud of it i'm gonna cut out the the part where you suggest that you're a crowd boy Proud boy. <laughs> God. Please don't. You leave any jokes in. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I have one more, one quote from the essay I wanted to read that I thought tied together a couple cool things oh, yeah. uh, we were talking about. Um, as long as it's another heat quote. Oh. oh, it's a paranormal <laughs> activity quote. Heat quotes, weirdly. Uh, <laughs> Marta, you were talking about like the precarity they're in. And uh, when Julia Leda is talking about the significance of him being a day trader, uh, it kind of relates to that. She says, instead of having to telephone in trade orders, suddenly Internet brokerage account holders could transact and get rich with a mouse click almost by magic. This practice is a notable example of the financialization of U.S. life since the 90s in that it features the privatization and individualization of a finance-centered livelihood while transposing the risks and anxieties of the market onto the domestic space of the home. So in that way, it's like, because he's a day trader, the pending mm-hmm. crisis that's going to happen to the housing market is encapsulated in the actual house, which is kind yeah. of, yeah. it just, it's like vibrating with this, like, this anticipation that the filmmakers don't even know they have in it, you know? You, I, I wish I could think of another example off the top of my head. Sometimes there's just like a vibe that permeates out into the universe that just like shows up on art that is a premonition for the thing that is going to happen. Like there's just a vibe out there in the world that like none of this makes sense. Like, yeah, it it can't hold. Totally. I think we knew that sort of in like 2006. For some reason, my mind jumped to the show The O.C. Feels like it has that vibe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this shit's too fake and bullshit to work. Right? Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think we should get some awards. Yeah. Y'all down? Yeah. I I think or this is a weird, weird one for awards, folks. I think you about you figured out what the awards were mid mid go with this, right? Oh, I, I figured out. I, I I guessed your practice, and I said I would switch to it. I'm gonna do a different one, okay. but uh, okay. yeah. Let's start with Dumb Cop of the Week. Do any of us not have Micah or Mika? Yeah, for videotaping fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I mean, yeah, Mika. But, yeah, not just for videotaping, um, but seems obsessed with being the one to take care of the problem. Well, at the same yes. time, he's constantly, yes. um, he's constantly minimalizing and, like, mocking the problem itself. As well and as making it worse, yeah, and, and making, making it, it worse, and, and making it worse. As well as like, um, she wants to bring in a demonologist, and it's kind of like that that cliche in in media where 
the different agencies hate each other where the local cops <laughs> hate the FBI coming and he's like no this is my jurisdiction <laughs> I'm gonna figure this out <laughs> I'm suddenly seeing him as the hero in a cop show like she's the boss being like Patrick, you're in control you're not in control you're an idiot and he's like I'm still gonna break the rules <laughs> <laughs> so good Hell yeah. Dumb Cop of the Week. Oh my god. Okay, let's watch this movie. Or let's make this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's just paranormal activity, but he's a cop. (laughs) (laughs) She's his boss, not his girlfriend. Oh, Uh, I think you should do Praxis Award first because we've we've hinted at it so wildly, your answer. Oh, it's the demon for killing Mika. (laughs) Getting him out of her life. Cop killer. Yeah. Is that yours too, Charlie? Yeah, I actually didn't have a practice award, but like during the episode, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the demon for killing me. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I love that one. I'm going to give it to the friend that we haven't mentioned yet for coming over and doing bead stuff because her friend was clearly in crisis and she just needed to do some bead stuff. <laughs> and even that, Mika was like, no, you have to listen to me. And she's like, I need some fucking, I need some. And just a little bit of girl time and, and he's like no I need you to check out this gnarly shit I found and the girl is like there for her friend and that's Praxis yeah. to me she also offered to uh, let her stay at her house which is totally that's true always a good thing to do when you're when uh, someone in need needs it plus she gave some looks to Katie like do you see this fucking guy is this guy for real <laughs> which is also Praxis haven't yeah, like, I warned you about this <laughs> yeah <dude. laughs> All right, uh, favorite shots. I can go first because I went last on the last ones. Yeah. Um, I it's, it's simple, but like any time we went back to the bedroom hallway angle, like yeah. it was great. It was cool having this angle. Like no other movie, you you're gonna go back over and over to this one angle, and it was very unique and cool. Centered the film. I liked it a lot. And it's also not only that angle, but like. 95 percent the same content like yes. every time it's it's yeah oh it's cool it's really good i mean that's yeah. that's the shot that's the one i'm I totally yeah. agree I, yeah i think i have to agree and it's just neat to have this this shot you're returning to and every time you return to it you're kind of like looking for something like oh i want to catch this movement here or the shadow yes. there and um it's yeah it's it's just a neat little thing the movement and shadow basically doesn't exist for like almost any of it you mm-hmm. know there's like little bits yeah. yeah here and there but mostly you're not seeing shit it's so and every time you're like maybe this time there'll be yeah. the shit will be there yeah and again totally. but it's still like yeah it manages to get you're kind of like nerves up and you kind of like ramped up like oh Oh, want to see something? Want to see something? And he really gets you kind of involved. I think that's why the ending is works so well. And I don't know how it would work in a theater, but on mine, like I could see how far I was into the movie, so it was very clear this was the very last time we were gonna be looking at this shot when it when it ends and she looks at the camera, turns into a demon, and comes at it, and. It was way, the lead up to that was way scarier than the final thing. The final thing was cool, but it was like, my body was just like, you know, this is going to be the last scare you're staring at. It's going to happen any second. Don't let it catch you off guard. And that was a cool, yeah, very unique and and really good tool for having such a low budget. It's such a good fucking useful tool. All right. Should we rate this fucker? Yeah. 
I'm going to give it three screeches and a bang out of five screeches and a bang and a half. I will give it three and a half points out of five points. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll give it a ghost on the leash. A ghost on a leash? Yeah. Okay. Keep up, Barton. Yeah, okay. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I I would give it. You know, I did used to call this three and a half spooky scares out of five spooky spooky scares, but like this conversation has really brought it together and uh, made this movie feel even cooler. And uh, yeah, this this is four out of five spooky scares. All right. Hell yeah. I feel like I, yeah, I feel like one of my screeches was really long, too. Like, three out of five doesn't feel quite right. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, y'all. Anything else before we close it out? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I would like to recommend the movie. Have you ever seen Ghost Watch? No. Is it about a watch that's haunted? Yes. Sick. Uh, that's a, that's another movie I watched recently. It's like a British movie from I don't know, late eighties, but it was like a made for a BBC movie, and it was um, broadcast on Halloween night. And they actually brought in a like a known news broadcaster to host it, and it was supposed is presented as like um a, a in real time like uh news special about investigating a paranormal house uh, a family that's being haunted um, and uh, a lot of people believed it was actually real because it was presented as being real when it was actually fake but it, yeah. even knowing that going into it it's like really incredibly done um, it's definitely better than this movie which I do like this movie um, but it's it's just a really really good movie that kind of plays somewhat along the same uh, generally concept and I highly recommend people check that out. Hell yeah. Great recommendation. Sweet folks, well thanks for listening. Uh, you should listen next week or get ready or next episode uh, for Return of Godzilla, the 1984 movie. We're so fucking stoked to get back into Godzilla and I hope you are too. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or on any podcast app. You can find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod and on Blue Sky at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, uh, housing stuff, find people doing eviction defense. That's fucking sick. And support them if you can. Or do your own eviction defense. Or just help your neighbors out. Because we all need help. <laughs>